Welcome to episode 216 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And this week we have the return of Damon Johnson to the podcast. That's something that I really don't mind hearing. That's right. That's something that we're very glad to say. Oh yeah, totally. Because we've said this with a few other artists. That's definitely a guy that was on our list of people when we started this podcast. Of course. We had hoped to get, and here we are with the second time, so we couldn't be happier. Oh, man. And and what a guy, too, you know? Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So we're going to get into that here shortly. But first up, as always, we are sponsored by DEB Concerts and MedFarm. DEB Concerts has brought a ton of great acts to the ideal barroom in Tulsa. Bands like Saxon, Tom Kiefer's solo band, Sebastian Bach's solo band, Lita Ford, Jack Russell's Great White, Warrant, Striper, Bisto Blanco. A huge long list that keeps growing, and they have said that there will be announcements coming soon. But in the meantime, they've upped it to the arena level, and they're bringing in Snoop Dogg, Nelly, and Chromio to the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma on April 12th. That's great for them. That's awesome. That is. So a huge deal for DEB Concerts. Booking an arena show, so we're really excited about that. And if you want to get out and see Snoop Dogg and Nelly April 12th, all you got to do is go to Ticketmaster.com and buy your tickets. That's right. Yeah, it's that easy. DB Concerts also booked all the bands to play the D&B Processing Stage at Rocklahoma this year. And there will be bands like Slaughter, Strutter, which is a Kiss tribute band, Bisto Blanco, Lita Ford, The Normandies, Solidify, Down for Five. Poster Child. Um, grind. Yeah, Grind. Grand Bonnet 3 and the Folk and Gasholes. Grand Bonnet? Oh, not Charlie Bonnet. <laughs> Grand Bonnet's coming? Holy yeah. fuck. That seems like something that Doug Burgess would book, Grand Bonnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's Charlie Bonnet. Hopefully Sorry. He plays I wonder if, if that's his son. Long, yeah. Right? yeah. You think he's related? I don't know. No. Mm. Let's look that shit up and get back to you well, later. It's worth a Google. Yeah. We'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On episode 217. Gotcha. But yeah, a ton of other great acts like Zen Hipster, of course. You know, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them once, twice back in 96, 98, somewhere around there. Oh, yeah. They did a great cover of Lump. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully someone has that on VHS. Hopefully not. Hopefully goddamn not. From the outskirts of Broken Air, Oklahoma. Well, you know. <laughs> but a ton more acts. Speak. I mentioned Poster Child. Did you see that Tracy Guns shared the the video of Poster Child's guitarist just wailing on the guitar? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Josh Jones. That's pretty <clears throat> badass. So go look up Tracy Guns' Twitter so you can see that video if you have not. He's one of Tulsa's many great guitarists. Of course. So yeah, huge thanks to DEB Concerts, and you'll hear more about all the acts playing Rocklahoma here in the coming weeks over the next couple months. And we've also have been sponsored by MedFarm for a few months now. Very happy about that. A new dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. They're off Highway 51. Get out there and check them out. They've got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So you can get your card. And then, after you have your card, or if you already do, just say, hey, Thunder Underground sent you. And they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is a great deal. They've got a huge selection and the best part of all of it is 30% of their proceeds 
go to help build no-kill animal shelters. So, like we've mentioned many times, that's a very cool thing. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, get out and support MedFarm. That's M-E-D-P-H-A-R-M. You can find them on Facebook. You can also find them on Instagram at MedFarmOK. So, before we talk a minute about Damon Johnson, should we just play some music? Let's do it. All right. He's got a brand new album that came out this month, officially. Yes. Called Memoirs of an Uprising. Great record. Yeah, this thing's great from beginning to end. That's right. And it's this. It's the second track, right, I believe? Yes, this is that we're going to play. Yeah, yeah. It sure is. Number two on the track list is this song right here, Dallas Could Have Been a Beatdown. Dallas, Texas! City lights high up on this flight. I know who's down below. Mama said, Pick and choose your fights. Brings a tear to my eyes. Cause this hurt I'ma bring real slow. All this earth that we walk is filled with so much talk. And I wonder if it knows. Yes, I'm close. I told myself I'd never stalk him. I can see the knife against his throat In my mind I'm gonna keep it clean Lying here staring at the ceiling And I can feel that force of reckoning Does he know? Do you think he knows? That was good and I beat down That was good and I beat down that was good, I better be down. Now my driver's rolling up. She ain't answering her phone. I put the address above this lighted match. Yeah, I couldn't orchestrate that slaying. Then numb myself with praying. Watch the blood clean off my hands. But I won't be the instigator. Leave my revenge at the stage door. Make peace with all that's gone down. He's got enough that haunts him Demons are better stalking me Just a few hours I am leaving town In my mind I'm gonna keep that thing I am here staring at the ceiling And I could be that force of reckoning Does he know? Do you think he knows? Now he's gonna let me go Dallas gonna be down. 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 Dallas gonna be down.
Dallas could have been a beat down from Damon Johnson's new album, Memoirs of an Uprising. Both those phrases roll off the tongue. They do. I love and, it. and this album rolls off the tongue. Let me tell you the whole thing. That's right. It's just, <clears throat> it's pure hard rock like you want it. And of course, Damon Johnson's going to deliver that, you know, from uh, Alice Cooper to Thin Lizzy to Brother Kane, you know, uh, Black Star Riders. This guy, you know, that's all he knows. So, right. um, and this, this new record is great, as you just heard. Yeah, we say hashtag I'll kill a no filler when it's deemed appropriate, and this is definitely deemed appropriate. Of course. Yeah, this album, you need to check out. It actually, like we talked about in this interview, you could actually start purchasing it back in December. Mm -hmm. The vinyl was the only way to purchase then, and then it came out digitally and everywhere else just a couple weeks ago. So, you mentioned all those bands. I mean, we, we actually went into... I don't know. It's been like, I remember there was an episode, I don't know, a couple of years ago where we just talked about Damon Johnson for like 20 minutes. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was before the time we had him on. <laughs> yeah. Before where we were just <laughs> I, I talking about that. You need to know about Damon Johnson. If you don't, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really think it's rehashing because it's been a while since we did that. But I mean, just going through this guy's stuff outside of the first brother Kane album, which is what most people kind of jump towards. What exactly, what's your favorite piece of work he's done? Was it another brother Kane or was it slave to the system? I, I think, I think it was slave to the system. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, seeds, even over seeds. Oh, okay. I was about to say <laughs> seeds is really damn good. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think maybe those two are neck and neck for me. Um, slave to the system is a band that he did. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. in the, Late nineties, early two thousands, early two. I think it was around. like two thousand two. Okay, yeah, and that roughly. was with Scott Rockenfeld from Queensrÿche, and um, it was Kelly Gray, right? Kelly Gray that was in Queensrÿche for a while, and somebody else who else was in it? Roman Glick, right? Ah, God, fuck it, was he? I can't remember. Jesus, foggy. But that was a great rock record, <laughs> and I think I really, really enjoyed that record. So that and seeds, I think for me, that would be what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like you mentioned, Alice Cooper, he did that for quite a while and then he ended up joining Thin Lizzy, which then turned into Thin Lizzy starting Black Star Writers. And I yep. thought that was really cool because obviously playing with Alice Cooper or Thin Lizzy is a pretty huge deal for anybody. But as a fan of this guy, I was glad when Black Star Riders came around, because mm -hmm. then we have him back, you know, writing. Yes. Along with Ricky Warwick. Yes. You know, playing original stuff, and then that kind of brought, you know, a new band into the mix to something else that this guy's a part of, and all three of those albums that he did with Black Star Riders were fucking great as well. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. Um, he had Whiskey Falls, which is kind of a country thing. Right. He's trying to do for a while. I know he played with John Waite. Oh, that's right. I think that's like one of the first things he did. <clears throat> coming out of Brother Kane, I think. I don't don't quote me, but you know. So, but yeah. So, I mean, uh, th this guy is, you know, he's a, a rock and roll journeyman. You know, he he's he is an amazing guitar player, an amazing singer. You know, he songs just fall off of him. He should be way bigger than he is. That's right. I mean. So get out there and check this guy's stuff out. 
Yeah, and he's got other solo music as well. He had an album called Release eight or ten years ago. He had an EP called Echo just about two or three years ago. The release album's more, you know, stripped down. It's not totally acoustic, but it's more along that lines for the most part. And Echo's more of a rock album like the new one is. Yeah. And it's got great music on it as well. Yeah, and we can't reiterate that enough. Like, this guy doesn't have bad music. There's no filler anywhere in his catalog as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, none. I mean, yeah. it's it's insane. So let's get into it. Here's Damon Johnson of Damon Johnson, I guess now. That's right. <laughs> I'm used to saying of something, but yeah. <laughs> vacation to the Bahamas, but you also played a couple shows. How did that go? Yeah, man, it was amazing. You know, it started with the shows first, and um, I have a long-time friend that lives down there, and, you know, he's like, hey, man, one of you, your kids on spring break, and uh, so we started kind of putting the, putting the idea together, and um, it wouldn't have happened without him, so I'm really grateful, but uh, we had an amazing time, man. You know, we've been working really hard. Uh, I, I feel like my whole family's been such a part of this moment for me you know going solo and putting out a new record that i'm super proud of and and really just kind of running an independent business you know we put the record out on my own imprint and we're kind of you know funding everything ourselves and um you know we're loving it we're having a blast but it is a lot of work so it was nice for us to get to go down there and, and spend five or six days and especially for our kids I mean, they you know they've never been to the Bahamas and, you know, experience some of that stuff, man. Swimming, swimming with dolphins and sea lions. It's like crazy. It was crazy. Crazy <laughs> awesome. Well, well, that kind of plays into, you know, our next question is, you know, Memoirs of an Uprising, great record. Talk about, you know, this is on your own and handling the process and calling all the shots. I bet the, uh, the stress levels may be a little higher this time around. Well, um, I don't know if I would call it stress. I mean, the thing for me, having been in this business for so long and had such a long career as a musician, as a songwriter, as a performer, you know, at some point, man, there's there's like certain things that you do that are kind of just common sense. Like, hey, I want to make a record. I want to book a show. I, I want to get in the studio or I want to try to set up some interviews and talk about my music. You know, there's just certain things that you can do to, to bring those things to the table. Um, I've been a part of so many great organizations that I've learned so much, guys. And that's why I felt like, particularly as I got to the end of finishing the album, starting to mix it, you know, it wasn't that far from around the time that I spoke to you last year with Ricky. You know, we were out with Judas Priest. It was more on the back side of that tour when I first kind of got the idea in my head, like maybe it's time, maybe this is the right time for me to make a change and and just see what I can do on my own. Um, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, and it certainly is, but I'm loving it. And the thing that I love the most 
is really being in charge of my calendar. Um, I can't imagine the number of musicians that you guys have talked to on your podcast. I know it's a substantial amount. And the great majority of those musicians, they're kind of uh, shackled to whatever the manager and the booking agent say, hey, this is, this is the work. This is what it's going to be. This is what your life is going to be from May until November. And they just don't have any say-so in it. And I get that, man. That's just how our business works. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, it's just, I've, been, I've missed so much, man, with my family and my kids. And, you know, so that's a big component of this change for me. And uh, so the extra work, I don't mind at all because the payoff is, is tenfold. You know, I'm loving it. Talk about you, you put out the, the vinyl for purchase back in December. Like, talk about the idea behind putting that out well before the official release a few months later. Yeah, man, thank you. Um, I've just been watching a lot of other bands and a lot of artists over the last five or six years. You know, vinyl has obviously had a resurgence. Yeah. I'm not necessarily a, a crazy vinyl person, you know, passionate about that. I have a turntable. I have a handful of albums that I've either kept from my childhood or a couple that I've accumulated in, in the last few years, but it's not like a motivating format for me. But that said, I know that my fan base is really passionate about that. You know, a lot of, a lot of the fans that I would talk to in the UK with Black Star Riders or my fans over here in North America, that question would get asked a lot. Are you going to put out vinyl or are you going to put out vinyl? So, it was definitely something I wanted to do, man. I can't, it's hard to measure the excitement I had the day the UPS man showed up and rang the doorbell. There was like eight giant boxes. You know, they all weighed like 50 pounds a piece. <laughs> you know, loaded, loaded with that beautiful record, man. You know, the artwork looks spectacular. You know, we went the extra distance, man, and got the, the full-color two-sided insert and photography and all the lyrics printed and all the credits. It's it's a work of art, man. I'm so proud of it and really happy that we we put in the effort to get that across the finish line. And, uh, you know, the first 500 of them, we've almost sold out, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to place another order here pretty soon, man. That's exciting. You actually got the thing for Christmas from Jason here. <laughs> yeah. Hey. All right on. And uh, oh. you're right. It's it's a beautiful package. Uh, my my girlfriend saw it and said that's beautiful. That needs to be a t-shirt, and I'm sure it is. So yeah, it, it, it is a t-shirt. Tell your girlfriend it is a, it is a t-shirt, and she should do her shopping at DamonJohnson.com. Yes, <laughs> I will do that, and I love that. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's just the big, you know, the, the big, uh, vinyl sleeve and everything you're right. It's, it's great. It, it looks awesome. Well, that means a lot coming from you guys. Thank you. Oh yeah. No problem. problem. So, so were, were the, was this collection of songs stuff you had around for a while or, or was this specifically for this album? Specifically for this album, nine of these 10 songs were brand new. They had been written, uh, the bulk of it, I guess it started in 2017, 
And I got into the studio in September and tracked all the drums and the uh, bad rhythm guitars. And then in between my touring commitments with Black Star Riders, you know, I added the bass. And then I started working on the vocals and a lot of the guitar solos and things like that here at my house. So um, it took a while, you know, to get it across the finish line. But, you know, man, it's just it's such an amazing feeling to have some things I wanted to say. Uh, generally, man, when I'm writing songs, I start with a guitar riff or I start with a vocal melody, you know, just sitting around with an acoustic guitar and experimenting. But this was different, man. This was almost more like Bernie Taupin and Elton John. You know, it started with the lyric first in a lot of a lot of ways. And, and then that would dictate the feel of the music underneath it. Uh, I co-wrote like I say, nine of those 10 songs, I co-wrote them with a longtime friend and collaborator, Jim Trotwood. I don't know if you guys ever recall a little kind of insignificant side project I did way back in 2000 called The Motor Belly. But The Motor Belly was a six-song EP that I did with a couple of friends from, you know, from, from Alabama. And Jim was one of them. And that was really the first time we had collaborated together. So... I just think it's pretty wild that 17 years later, I would call him up again and go, hey, bro, let's work on some new songs. So he really brought a lot to the table. You self-produced this as well. Like, do you prefer that? or I mean, obviously, because you did it. But I mean, what's that process like compared to having someone, someone else's influence in there? You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on that. You know, there, there are components of it that I think I'm probably going to do the same way, maybe forever, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed recording my vocals on my own. Um, I remember making those Brother Kane records back in the 90s and always feeling like everyone was waiting on me. Like, oh, man, it's taking Damon forever to do these vocals. And... You know, when you're spending money for a studio and you're paying a producer and you're paying an engineer and the band guys are sitting around, it's kind of a drag, man. You know, it's like it's a, it's a weird place to find yourself trying to be professional and trying to, you know, trying to make a good performance. So that part I really love and I think I'd love to do that, you know, in the future. That said, there's a great... Uh, you know, there's such a pleasure, man, of working with a good producer. It just gives you somebody else to bounce things off of, uh, all kinds of things. You know, is that the right snare drum for this song? Should we change the arrangement? Should we have the band go to double time in this outro? Or should we keep the, you know, the feel of it the same into the second chorus, whatever, all kinds of things like that. If it's someone that you really love, it's like when we work with Nick Raskulinix, who's you know, now just become one of my best friends, man. We did those last, uh, the last two Black Star Riders records with Nick, and he produced my EP, that Echo EP, back in 2016. And Nick is the best. I mean, no, no surprise that guy's won Grammys, and he's worked with everybody from Dave Grohl to Josh Homme and Geddy Lee and Jerry Cantrell. I mean, they all recognize Nick's talent. So. If you can afford someone like that and the schedules line up to where you can get in the studio together, I, I love working with a, with a great producer. So um, I've, I've already told Nick, man, because see, I came to him to make this record, guys. 
Yeah. And he said, Damon, I can't. You know, my schedule's filled up. Because he was literally working with Alice and Chains at the time. Wow. And he, and he was the one that said, hey, man, you produced this record. And I was like, no, hell no, I don't want to do that. He goes, yeah, <laughs> I've made three records with you, man. You've got all the skills you need. You can do this. He did let me use his studio to record the drums, which was really killer. His engineer, Nathan Yarborough, is, is so talented, man. So he gets a big shout out for uh, you know how great the drums turned out. But uh, I learned a lot, guys, and it's very empowering. And you know, there's nothing stopping me now from making a bunch of records. Yeah. Like no surprise, I've already started writing songs for the follow-up, man. I'm, Nice, nice. I feel like that. I feel like that scene is straight out of straight out of Compton. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, film. Yeah. It was so good. But <laughs> when 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 Ice Cube leaves the band and he goes in there to the record company guy and he says, "Get ready, Jerry. These records are going to start coming, and they're going to start coming fast." That's how I feel. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel really empowered. I feel inspired, and. Uh, Feels good, guys. Not kidding you, man. It feels great to to be in this place. And, you know the the hard work and stuff. I I embrace that, man. I it's gonna be fun to see what we can do. You know what we can build build, build up some attention for Damon Johnson uh, as a solo artist. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, a minute ago you were talking about Nick telling you you could you could do it, and you were saying, oh no, no, I can't. I mean. Have you learned now, you know, when to self-edit, when to stop self-editing and just go with your gut? I certainly learned a lot doing this record. That's a great question. <clears throat> and um, I was so, I was so motivated by the songs, the lyrics to the songs, the stories in the songs. The guitar playing, I just was almost like an, an afterthought. You know, I, I really waited until the very end to really go, all right, well, let me put some solos on some of this stuff. And then I knocked out the 10 songs, you know, in a couple of days. You know, I maybe went back and changed a couple of things after I listened to it for a while. But, you know, I feel really fortunate, guys. The, the guitar playing comes easy for me. <laughs> the singing is tougher. You know, songwriting is hard work. So... Going through the experience of this album more than any other record I've ever made in my whole career, I feel like your question of self-editing, I feel like maybe I'll do less of that than ever before. Just trust my instincts. Trust what my gut is telling me. I know what a great song feels like. I know what a great song sounds like. And um, look, man, none of these songs are going to change the world. You know, is there a... Is there a We Are the Champions on here? I don't think so. Uh, you know, there's not a Hotel California or a, or a you know, a, a Highway to Hell, but they're fucking good songs, man. And they're my truth, you know. There's not one word that I won't stand behind and say, look, man, this is how I felt, or this is the story that I had in my mind that I wanted to tell. What a great feeling. Yeah. What a great feeling. Um, so... It's really interesting, man, that I did so little self-editing on this record. Um, and it turned out, you know, that I was as pleased with the final product uh, as I was. So I don't think you're ever going to see me just laboring in the studio. If you're having to work that hard to make the song sound great, maybe it's not a great song. Maybe you need to write another song, you know? Well, your solo acoustic shows have always 
been kind of a broad spectrum of your entire career and covers and everything. When you do the plugged in shows for this album, are you going to kind of do the same thing or is it going to be heavy on these songs or how are you going to curate that set list? Well, when I play with the band, when I play with my band, we, uh, we really focus on songs that I have written, um, you know, either songs from the new record or the EP songs from brother Kane. Uh, we did a couple of slave to the system songs that we worked up that I love playing. Um, you know, really the only covers that we're doing are a couple of, you know, tip of the hats to thin Lizzie and Alice Cooper. And I've played those songs so fucking long guys. They don't feel like covers, (laughs) you know, you know, and, and we're digging deep, you know, we're playing some, some deep tracks by those acts, man. You know, we're doing like Muscle of Love. Um, we do a little bit of Billion Dollar Babies. And then, uh, wow. you know, with the Stan Lindsay, we're even, we're, we do an amazing cover, amazing version of Johnny the Fox, which is, you know, not one of Stan Lindsay's more, more uh, well-known songs. But my band just plays the hell out of it. So we have a lot of fun with that. Well, speaking of the band, like talk about how you put this band with Tony, Jared and Tony together. Yeah, man. Jared, I've known for almost 10 years now. It sounds a lot to even say that, but we crossed paths back in 2007 when I was a part of a, a country rock band called Whiskey Falls. And uh, two of the guys lived in California, and they had crossed paths with Jared before because Jared is from Bakersfield. So when Jared joined that band and was our touring drummer, he and I just hit it off immediately, man. And we would, we looked forward to sound check every day because just he and I would play. And we would play Van Halen songs and we would play, um, you know, we, we would play like B.B. King songs and we would play some blues and we would play some weird fusing stuff. But we would just jam, you know, and I, and I always told him one day, we're going to play together. We're going to do something in the studio and be a part of some band. So, my family and I moved to Nashville in 2013, and the very next year, Jared wound up moving here. So I knew we'd be working together soon. Tony Nagy, my bass player, I have my old friend Chuck Garrick from the Alice Cooper Band to thank for that. Um, you know, Chuck is my brother. We played together in Coop's Band for a long time. So Chuck also lives in Nashville. So when I was going to put a band together, Chuck was my first call. Like, hey, bro, I want you to play with me. And he had just started Bisto Blanco, Blanco. And, um, you know, he says, but man, I just saw this guy play last week and he's amazing. Like he's the best bass player I've ever heard in my life. So for Chuck to say that, I'm like, all right, well, maybe I should check this guy out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was Tony, that was Tony Nagy. So Tony got on board and Tony Higby and I had known each other a little bit. Um, we ran into each other at Guitar Center one day. And my favorite story to tell about Tony is he very boldly and with lots of confidence came up to me and said, hey, man, next time you decide to do some Brother King dates, you need to call me because I should be the second guitar player. Wow. And I was, you know, I barely, I barely knew him. You know, and I'm like, what, what the fuck is this guy? Who does he think he is? You know, and um, so... You know, he's so talented, man. He's such a great guitar player, great singer. And, you know, we're kind of like the the Glimmer Twins. You know, we're both about six foot three and playing Les Pauls. And uh, 
we look good on stage together. So uh, Tony really brings a lot to the table. I'm so proud of my band. I'm so honored, you know, that these guys, with their ability, would would want to to play my songs, man. And and uh, I will never take that for granted. I'm, I'm so grateful to have such a badass band. Speaking of Brighton, like writing this album and everything, how do you approach that differently than you would when you wrote with Ricky and Black Star Writers and when you're writing for another artist? Yeah, man. Well, Ricky's such a monster talent. Ricky's Ricky's a talented songwriter at a level that I'm not sure I've really crossed paths with before. You know, certainly when I would collaborate with Marty Fredrickson, you know, back in the day, or uh, I've co-written some songs with John Shanks. We wrote the Stevie Nicks song together. Now, those guys are definitely songwriting machines, but they're focused a little more on melody and you know, just the music. And, and Ricky is literally walking around with an iPad full of new lyrics on a, on a constant basis. You know, I see him writing all the time, on the plane, in the dressing room. Um, you know, if we see a movie, he's straight to the room there writing some stuff down, you know, to retain some ideas for songs. So, you know, Ricky's really responsible in a, in a big way, guys, for, for this moment of me, you know, making my own record because I learned a lot from him. I really did. We wrote three albums worth of stuff together. So to be in the same room with him so much and kind of watching him work, I was inspiring and, and I learned a lot. So huge difference. Writing with Ricky, I never had to worry about one word. You know, he's got it covered. So we really spent most of our time working out arrangements, vocal melodies, you know, things like that. Um, just a real pleasure to write with him. So it is very different when I'm writing for myself because then it is on me to come up with the story, the title, um, you know. Um, I don't. I just don't ever recall feeling like these 10 new songs were ever laborious. There was never a moment when Jim and I were writing that I felt like, man, we're just beating our head against the wall on this one. Never felt that. You know, we were just kind of following the energy of the song. If we had a few lyrics or if we had a riff, whatever it was, we just stayed in it. Like, man, we're gonna, we got something cool here. Let's see, let's see where we can take it. Um, as far as writing for other artists, I've never really been commissioned to write something for another person. You know, the cuts that I got, the Stevie Nicks song and the Santana song, Man, those were just beautiful accidents. In both cases, the Stevie Nicks song I was writing for myself. The Santana song I was writing with my buddy Buck, Buck Johnson, no relation. He was wanting, he was going to make a solo record. So we were just we were just friends, man, writing for his thing, having a good time. We had no idea that the song was going to make its way to Carlos Santana. So, you know, there are people in Nashville that do that every day. They get up certainly five days a week, man, and they're, and they're writing to pitch songs to other people. And I have huge respect for that process. It's just not what motivates me. Um, I love playing guitar too much. I love being in a badass band too much to, uh, you know, to just try to write songs that maybe some some mainstream pop or mainstream country act would, would do. I wouldn't begrudge any of those guys wanting to record one of my songs. That's always flattering and awesome. I guess maybe I'm selfish. Maybe you know, maybe, maybe I lack the, the drive to, to do that. But I, 
I just, it's just a lot more fun, man, to, to do my own thing. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, talking about Ricky and, and Black Star Riders, uh, looking back on your time with them, what, what are you most proud of from, from that era? Without a doubt, man, I'm proud of those records. I am most proud of those records. Those are quality records. You know, the first one we made with Kevin Shirley and then Killer Instinct and Heavy Fire we made with Nick Raskin Linux. I've just got so many great memories, man, of, you know, writing the songs with Ricky, bringing them to the band, working them up, you know, getting to record fucking harmony guitar solos with Scott Norm. Are you kidding me? You know, do you know who else can say they did that? Not, man, not many. <laughs> Brian Robertson. John Sykes, you know, some of the baddest ass names in rock history. So I, I'm so honored, man, to to get to have that experience with Scott, you know, and, and, you know, a guy that was certainly my hero, you know, then becomes my friend and my great friend and my partner on stage and my partner in the studio. Great memories of that, man. We definitely played a lot of cool shows. There's no doubt about that. I, I just think the writing in the studio was really the thing that I loved the most, though, without a doubt. I love that. Growing up and being a huge fan of Scott's and then, you know, joining Thin Lizzy and then starting a band with him, was there anything that you learned from him while you worked with him? I learned a lot, guys. You know, I learned that, you know, coming up with a great guitar line, a memorable guitar line, is not easy. It requires a lot of work. And when you're working out these harmony parts, it's not as easy as just going, oh, well, you're playing the main melody. I'm going to play a third above that or a fifth above that. you got to spend more time than that, man, and find some notes to change and move it around and make it cool. Um, Scott always says this funny thing to me because, you know me, man, I'm a hard worker. And, you know, the opportunity to write a harmony thing with Scott Gorham, I'm like, Guys, I'm into this 100%. So I would bring Scott things and go, hey, man, what do you think? And sometimes he would go, I don't know, bud. That sounds kind of Chinese to me right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that was his way of saying, Damon, you got to work on it a little more. There's some notes that are not, they're not sexy. They're not, they're not working together. It's not that they were wrong. They just weren't right. So... That I learned from that guy. And Scott Gorham absolutely owns a big chunk of real estate in rock history, man, when it comes to harmony guitar parts. So such a pleasure to uh, to work with him. And, and I learned so much. He's uh, he's one of the all-time greats at that, man. So it was a, just a privilege, man, for me to, to get that experience. Well, this is probably something that you've been asked many times since you left Black Star Writers, but would you consider joining a band again outside of, you know, your solo band, if, if the opportunity arose? Um, you know, listen, if, if the phone rang and it was Bono or it was Paul McCartney, you know, <laughs> or, you know, it was some band that plays stadiums like the fucking Foo Fighters, look, man, I'm going to take that phone call at least. We'll have it. Let's have a conversation. Um, those calls are just not going to come because those, you know, those, those, those acts are full of great, great players that are really happy to have those, those jobs in those positions. So they're going to maintain those. 
I will absolutely never start another band from scratch. Uh, not because I don't love bands. It's because I've just done it so much, and I know all of the minutia that is required to get it up and off the ground and then to maintain it, much less try and grow it into something substantial. It's harder work than I'm prepared to invest anymore. Uh, and, and I hope you don't take that as me sounding defeatist or like I'm giving up. It's not that at all. I just am ready, man, to kind of be in control of my ship. Uh, you know what I mean? If Damon Johnson is playing somewhere now and you come to the show and it's not a good show, you got one person to point the finger at. Me. It's on me. And I just know that I'm going to do everything I can to make it a great show. Always be respectful to the fans. Take care of myself, man. Try to get plenty of sleep. Eat healthy. So I can get up there and deliver, man, and make it great for everybody in the room. Um, I'm just driven by that right now, guys. And I feel, you know, I, I just love being that guy now. You know, look, I'm, I'm grateful when the phone rings or when there's an email that comes through about any kind of opportunity. Man, God, what, how flattering to get a call about anything. Um, I'm just not starting any more bands. Trust me, I've had a couple of calls in the last six months. I think some guys are like, oh, well, he's leaving Black Star. All right, I'm, now he and I are going to start a band. It's like, fuck that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we I get am not it. starting any more bands. Yeah. Well, hey, as long as you play Dallas, could have could have been a beat down live. We're good. Guys, let me tell you something. That's first a great all, fucking song, you. man. First, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you know that's the greatest title of any rock song you've ever heard in your whole life. <laughs> exactly. Third, third, I don't think I'll ever play another live show with my band and not play that song. I yeah. love that song so much. It's so much fun to sing. It's my favorite guitar moment on the whole record. Thank you for mentioning that. I could not love that song more. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to see Jim. I'm going to see Jim Trogland tomorrow. So I'm going to tell him you guys said that. That'll, that'll make him happy. That was his title, by the way. He, <laughs> good, he gets good. all the credit for that. <laughs> he sent it. He sent it to me in the text message, and he goes, "What do you think?" And I said, "I think." Whatever it takes, we're writing that fucking song because that's the killer title. <laughs> exactly. Good, good. <laughs> hey, if someone wasn't familiar with your music and they saw that title and Rage With Me and So Brutal, they might think this was a death metal album or something. <laughs> well, you know what, man? It's definitely some heavy lyric content, right. you know? Yeah. In, all, in all three of those songs, I mean... Uh, you know, those are some dark events going on. I mean, Dallas, man, you're talking about some murder stuff right there. I mean, that's that, that's heavy. And I just love the fact that we could spin a dark tale like that and put it inside such a killer groove and a great riff. Um, it's great, man. So brutal. What a, what a roller coaster that song is, man. So brutal covers, you know, a lot of anxiety and, and, and a lot of... Uh, kind of hopelessness, you know, and I, I, I love that you mentioned that track too, guys. I mean, I went full blown Iron Maiden in that guitar solo. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to go that way until literally the 11th hour. So 
That was the other fun thing for me as a guitar player is that when I did get around to adding, you know, solos and things like that, man, I just let the song kind of guide me wherever it wanted to. And, uh, you know, it's just fun as a player for a guy that loves so many different guitars over, you know, the years of my life. You know, I can point to different points on the record, man, and just name drop so many guys that influenced the solo. You know, Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers on uh, We Got a System. And Billy Gibbons was part of that Dallas solo. And like I said, Iron Maiden on So Brutal. And uh, I'll never deny that I wasn't trying to channel some Gary Moore on the ballad, The World Keeps Spinning Round. Yeah. Super proud of that song. And uh, Gary was, was, was a big, uh, big inspiration on that song. I'm going to end this with a, a fanboy comment here. And just say that Lay it on me. you should include the road in your acoustic shows. Hey, brother. Thank you. I, I don't know if this is Trent or if this is Jason. This is Trent. Saying that. <laughs> Trent, thank you, brother. Um, you'll be happy to know that I play the road often. I played it uh, I played it at my Saturday night gig in the Bahamas this weekend. Nice. Um, I was just going off I, a couple I, times I, I saw you. It wasn't played, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm really proud of that song, man. I can't believe that, you know, that's one of the first real lyrics that I, I ever wrote, ever, you know. Uh, you guys, maybe you know enough about my history to know that I, I went into being a singer with great hesitation, you know, when we started Brother Kane. I, I didn't want to be a singer. I wanted to find a singer. So when I finally got behind the microphone, I realized that, you know, we needed some, some other songs, some better songs. So the road is, uh, is one of the first kind of sit down with a notebook and, you know, write some things that I, I felt like saying, and, you know, Marty and I turned it into a really great song. So, uh, thank you for, for mentioning that. I'll be happy to play that song for you anytime, brother. Just <laughs> let me know you're in the house and I'll play it. <laughs> All right. We'll do. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to do this. Fellas. Hey man, thank you for having me continued success to you. I'm really grateful to Melissa and Michelle, you know, for, uh, for hooking us up. And, uh, you know, I appreciate this time. I hope I get to see you soon this year. Yeah, definitely. Same here. Yeah, thank you very much, for sure. All right, fellas. All the best. There you go, Damon Johnson. A huge thank you to Michelle and Melissa from Mad Inc. PR for helping set that up. And, of course, a huge thank you to Damon Johnson for coming back on this podcast for a second time definitely yeah most of you know him as the leader of brother kane and of course black star writers like we mentioned earlier alice cooper thin lizzie if you've never checked out the slave to the system album like jason talked about earlier do yourself a favor and do that of course and of course all three brother kane albums and all his solo work especially this brand new one memoirs of an uprising which is out everywhere now it's 10 songs and it's like one of those, you know, that you like that aren't super long, right? 40 That's right. Minutes, yeah. Roughly, you know, yeah, it's kind of in and out. Badass rock and roll all the way through. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Big thank you to Damon Johnson. Like we mentioned earlier, he's been on here before episode 170. He was on here with Ricky Warwick when Black Star Riders were touring with Judas Priest last spring. So, go check out that episode if you have not yet. We've also got. 200 plus other episodes you can check out at soundcloud.com backslash thunder underground we've had on 
guys from Kiss like Gene Simmons, Bruce Kulick, guys from Megadeth like Dave Elfson and Chris Broderick, guys from Seven Dust, Crojan Conformity, Warrant, Tesla, Dokken, Prong, Saxon, Shooter Jennings, Clutch, <laughs> Candlebox, Box, yeah. The Obsessed, Crowbar. Yeah. Um, yeah, the li- Insight. A huge long list. Yes. I mean, it goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. BeatThunderUnderground.com. You can find everything there for all our socials, so follow us everywhere. You can listen pretty much anywhere podcast heard. And you can hear us every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central on 1027WSNR.com. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. I don't know. I, I think you not. got it. Yeah. All right. It definitely, I, I couldn't remember all that shit. I'm impressed. <laughs> right on. Well, we've got, we'll have a podcast finally with Dusty Grant coming soon. Yes, yes. In the next couple Talked weeks, probably. that for a while. Yeah. And then <clears throat> a few other surprises in the works. That's right. So be on the lookout for all that. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're just going to continue to stick it to you. You know why we're going to do that? It's because it's a wildlife, dude. By God. All right. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.